Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of Pride Month with a look at John Waters. And I've been telling everybody I'm very excited for this because I remember a couple of years ago, we recorded our cult films episode, which we need to do another episode like that again. Um, And no one else on my panel of cult film lovers, cult film lovers, liked John Waters. And I was very ashamed of my panelists. <laughs> I, was, I was like, seriously, nobody else likes John Waters. And I'm like, great. Nobody likes John Waters. We're never going to do a John Waters episode. And then cut to me meeting my lovely, wonderful podcast brain twin, Jen, from my streaming bubble and finding out that she loves John Waters. And I've already done an episode covering John Waters with her on my streaming bubble. So we'll try not to repeat everything we said on there. But go listen to that too. So please go listen to that episode and a couple others that we've done. And a bunch of other episodes of hers as well. So it's a great podcast and Jen is amazing. So I'm very excited to talk about John Waters again. And I'm very excited that one of my panelists actually has taste. Just kidding. I love you all. <laughs> I have the best taste. No. <laughs> yes, Jen has the best taste, though. I love all my panelists, but Jen has the best taste of all of you. <laughs> I still just can't get over that. It's been two years, and I still can't get over the fact that I was the only one on a cult film's pot. I don't know. It just seemed very weird to me, and everybody's like, yeah, he's not really my cup of tea. I don't know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so bizarre to me i almost don't know what's worse like if people have never heard of john waters or have heard of him and still are like nah pass exactly <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> yeah i know no i agree my mom is not the biggest fan of his i know that she did listen to our episode though because my mom is one of those i want to want to say something i don't know if my mom will end up listening to this one too but whenever you start a podcast one of the first things you're kind of told by other podcasters is that no one that you know, none of your friends, your family, they're not going to give a crap and they're not going to listen to your podcast. <laughs> I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. Most of them will not listen to your podcast, which I try and listen to all my friends' podcasts, but that's just because I'm a better friend than everybody else. <laughs> you are, yes. <laughs> no, but but I, I, <laughs> I love podcasts, so that's probably why. But it is something you learn. But my mom... She listens a lot. There are some that she won't listen to or some that she kind of just listens to the beginning. She's like, this is not 
for me. But she listens a lot, and she listens when I'm on a when I'm a guest on other podcasts as well. So my mom is an amazing supporter. I mean, my grandma is a supporter too, but my grandma doesn't quite understand podcasts, so she's never actually. I think she's heard a little bit that my mom played, but my grandma still thinks that people have to pay to listen to us. Aww, <laughs> grandma, I wish. <laughs> I wish I was making that money. No shit. <laughs> but, you know, she's she's in her 90s, so love my grandma. But, yeah, she's very impressed by it. And I'm like, yes, it's very impressive. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, so even though my mom is not a fan, she still listened to when I was on my streaming bubble. Uh-huh. She, I don't think she listened to Psycho Beach Party yet, but I know she listened to the Finn Wittrock one, too. So. <laughs> She tends to, it's because it's me. It's not because Mm -hmm. because of Jen. No. (laughs) Hey, that's quite all right. I'm not picky. I'll take a listen. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) For whatever reason. (laughs) But anyway, so I do have Jen here. Hi. Listeners can hear, obviously. I, there were a couple other people I really wanted to have on too. Not that I don't love just doing one with Jen. Bless editing wise, it's a breeze. But unfortunately, because I'm kind of stupid and I plan a lot of the end, you know, it's Pride Month. And so a lot of people are doing things during Pride Month and can't ever come on podcasts. So maybe one year I'll record these way in advance. That'll never happen. But anyway, I'm a planner, but I, I don't have the time to do that. So, Jen, though, before we dive into John Waters, what are you into right now in pop culture? dive into john waters Thank i love you. you for that <laughs> oh well as always thank you again for having me i always love being a guest on your podcast and okay so what have i been okay well i just free finished rewatching season four part one of stranger things again so because the rule is is when a new season of stranger things drops i burn through it and then I'll rewatch it with my husband. So I finished watching it with him last night and he liked it. And I think he really felt like a connection to Eddie because, <laughs> you know, kind of similar types, uh, <laughs> high school, you know, wise. But so Stranger Things. And then I also started rewatching the series as a whole because I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm rewatching the first three seasons with all that season four information and mm-hmm. trying to like, fill in some of these pieces uh, before part two drops. So I'm like super excited and I'm actually recording my Stranger Things episode with my friend Laura and she was my very first guest on my podcast where we covered Stranger Things season three, which feels like forever ago because it was. It was. (laughs) I'm really excited to get to that and uh, otherwise trying to stay current on the boys Obi-Wan and I'll probably rewatch Shorzy for the third time soon. <laughs> so I'm just like loving all the new stuff. There's still lots of other things I haven't gotten into yet, which I will uh once I kind of satisfy these other TV needs. <laughs> okay, so I don't know what Shorzy is. I've seen you tweet about it, but I have no clue what this is. So Shorzy is a spinoff series from Letterkenny. Shorzy was a character, just like a side character uh, on the series Letterkenny. And you never saw his face. He always had just always talking shit. 
And so it's really been kind of interesting and fun to see because they really had like this two dimensional character. And they at first I was like, I don't know what they're going to do with this character that all he does is talk shit. And it's hilarious and it's great. But um, the they did an amazing job really kind of fleshing out this character and making him so he's not just some shit talking asshole. I think there's a bit of heart in there. But it's a Canadian series. It's Shorzy centers around hockey, hockey players and stuff. Whereas Letterkenny, it's kind of uh, groups of people you kind of maybe see in these smaller Canadian towns. It's got like the Hicks, the Skids, which are like the goth slash druggies, uh, the, the hockey player jock types. So it's just the writing for both series is amazing. I love them both so much. They are, I think, very different in their own ways, but very similar, very like familiar feels to them. And they're just, they're hilarious. And I don't get all the Canadian references and that's fine. I don't need to, to still enjoy the series and the acting and the writing. The writing is amazing. So they're really like, Shorzy's uh, is only like six episodes, 20, 25 minutes. So it's a pretty quick watch if you if you have the time I know you're very very busy so <laughs> but it's just it's fun it's kind of you know it's fun it's light it's funny uh Shorzy's does have a lot of a lot more like indigenous actors and characters and they're not just side characters they're people like in positions of power calling the shots and that's just that's just nice to see and and the one actor, I can't remember his name, but he plays uh, Sanguinette. And he's just so adorable. I love him to pieces. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a season two. I don't think it's been announced, but I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I have no idea what this is that she keeps tweeting about, but I'm happy for her being happy. So. <laughs> yes. And and I did like the first part of, of the new season of Stranger Things. I will say, you know, my biggest upset with this, with that show is I used to love Hopper so much. Hopper was like my favorite character. And then I hate, I don't like him anymore. Season three ruined him. And so, you know, that whole storyline, I was like bored to tears, I have to say, uh, for him and Joyce. I was just like, whatever. But I think there are some amazing moments. I think the moment, I won't say for spoilers, but set to Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush is, I think, the best moment the show has had, period. I think it was incredible. And, yeah, and I did karaoke last night, and um, and we had, like, a private karaoke room. And Susie, frequent panelist, was there, and she sung that song along with <gasps> else too so <laughs> yes it's a great song it's a wonderful song anyway but yeah that moment was was amazing so oh i loved it it was <laughs> i i i all i all i'll say is i fucking loved it and it still hits just as strong as it did the first time watching it like the second time watching it hit it was just as like impactful yeah yeah it was pretty it's pretty incredible well, I'm not into Stranger Things. I did. I still love Stranger Things, and and Steve is still the best character on the show. And the, it's amazing how they what they did with that character. How he went from the worst to the best is that's the best character growth I have seen on a, on a television show, honestly, because it was so natural. And anyway, hundred percent um, agree. Yeah, and he wasn't supposed to 
less. He was supposed to die in like the first season, but they liked the actor so much and the character that they didn't do that. Thank God. But I have been watching a very, very happy docu-series on Hulu called The Deep End. And it's all about spiritual guru Teal Swan. Who this lady. Uh, trigger, 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 big trigger warnings for suicide, uh, sexual abuse, all this stuff. She... Um, just go look her up. I'm not going to say too much, but the reason I give those trigger warnings is a lot of what she talks about is relating to suicide and her um, stuff is, I don't think good, but that's all I'm going to say. And this is kind of like a lot of people say she's like a cult leader. I think she is. She is in this, like she had this documentary crew following her around and I think she's such a narcissist and I think she thought it was going to be this positive thing about her and it's not. And she's very angry now, but she has like millions of views on YouTube and yeah. And I had never heard of her before. And somebody mentioned this one um, in response to another true crime. I think it was actually MJ who's, uh, who's been on here before as a panelist. And yeah, it's, it's intense though. So it'll make you very angry. She's a, She's an awful person in my opinion, but I watched it and it makes me scared because I know a lot of people that would easily be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, fall for her stuff. So I, I won't say much about her except for just watch it, but beware of those triggers. And they do give you them beforehand, but just beware of that. Okay. So let's kind of lighten, let's lighten it up a little bit after I mentioned that <laughs> heaviness. Uh, with John Waters. So first, and I know I stole this question from Jen. This one, I know I stole. I'm pretty positive. <laughs> but Jen, what was your first introduction to John Waters? Oh, so you did steal this question, but that's okay. It's an important <laughs> question. <laughs> it's an important question to ask people when talking about John Waters. You know, it's it's like the meme of like, you judge people on who they know Tim Curry from. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that meme. We should cover Tim Curry. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was weird. Um, so I think I was trying to remember, and I, it's got to be one of, like, the 90s, uh, the more mainstream ones, either, like, a Crybaby or Serial Mom or Hairspray. So it was somewhere around the time those three movies came out I saw one I want to say probably crybaby because I, my huge mega crush on Johnny Depp for most of my hormonal years <laughs> um and then I think from there and just kind of learning about uh John Waters and everything and his his style uh I saw then eventually saw like the other 90s ones crybaby and hairspray and then uh, a little bit of like kind of the later one, Cecil Be Demented. And uh, I had heard of Pecker, but I didn't watch that really until like we did uh, the episode for my podcast. But uh, and then I had heard of, you know, Pink Flamingos and like the early, early stuff. So it was interesting to watch those for the pod prep. And they are they are very um visually impactful where I was like, I think I'm good. I don't think I need to rewatch those. <laughs> so, but I did watch a few that I didn't get in the last time uh, for my episode, but yeah. So I would say 
uh, yeah, probably crybaby is the most likely answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and I you know it would be between that and hairspray, but I'm pretty positive it was actually hairspray that was my first one. It was definitely not his first films. It was definitely not the films that I think I, I think he has more like quote unquote mainstream films. And then ones that are not definitely not mainstream <laughs> films, which are his earlier stuff. So yeah, it was definitely I'm pretty positive it was Hairspray, but it could have been Crybaby too. And and you know I'm not a John I'm not a Johnny Depp fan at all anymore, but I was I really really was, and it was because of Crybaby though. That's that's the thing is it wasn't before Crybaby. I went and saw Crybaby. And I actually was not necessarily a fan. I hadn't, I wasn't watching 21 Jump Street or anything like that. And then I became a fan because of Crybaby. So, so it's a little bit different, but I was, I was kind of obsessed with that film in a way. I was a big, big fan of that one. So, and we'll get into that one a little bit here, but yeah, I would definitely say Hairspray probably. And I had it like on VHS, like recorded off the TV though, you know, like an VHS mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. and I watched that one a lot too. And I know a lot of people hate on the remake, including Jen, <laughs> <laughs> but I actually like it. So, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I do. I, I just, I prefer the original and that's, well, yeah. yeah, there's just something about John Travolta that as Edna Turnblatt, that's just kind of nightmarish and I didn't care for it. <laughs> No, I, I understand. I understand. But I mean, I would I would like to see it on stage, the stage version. Sometime. Oh, yeah. Just I think that would be interesting. But yeah. OK, well, let's talk about that early career, because these were the films that really pushed the boundary. And, you know, he's said, you know, he prides himself on being like a master of filth and like the, the what what was that that was said in that that thing I sent to you? No, I can't remember. The Godfather of Filth, pretty much. Oh, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. So he prides himself on this. Pope of Filth, I think yes, I've seen also. Yeah, yes. So he's very happy about this. I mean, his um, his movies like Multiple Maniacs, Pink Flamingos, of course, is one of the biggest ones that's known, Female Trouble, a bunch of others, really pushed that envelope and did really gross and disgusting things, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Yes. And embraced really weird and out there characters. And John Waters has always, always embraced actors. We'll get into Divine shortly here. But always embraced actors and people that are shunned from society in a lot of respects and are considered outcasts. And, of course, you know, LGBTQIA plus is definitely part of that because um, John is an out gay man. Um, but he did does he's always embraced people that society turns from. And that's one of the things I've always appreciated about him. And I think his early works, especially, were not for everybody. And he knew this. I mean, you know, somebody eating dog shit that actually was dog shit is not going to appeal to everybody. <laughs> no, not really. Surprising, huh? <laughs> I know. Such a shocker. It's such a shocker that. All my other panelists on our quote movies episode didn't like John Waters. I guess I should have known. <laughs> so, Jen, I know some of these you watched for the first time in preparation for the episode that I did with you on your podcast. But what are your overall thoughts on his early films and that more pushing the boundaries of filth? 
So I have to say, like, I don't know. I Only John Waters could make those movies and have them be disgusting and vile and gross and, you know, offensive and hard to watch. But it's still but still done in, in a way that's kind of like so lovingly and mm-hmm. like even though they're not for everyone the fact that like three of them if not like four are part of the criterion collection i think says a lot <laughs> yes I, I i appreciate them and i respect them for what they are and what they've done uh and how they've contributed to uh, the world of film and filmmaking and that pushing the boundaries and that gross out and everything. Don't know that I'll go back and necessarily need to rewatch any of them <laughs> anytime soon, but I just, I can't think of anybody else that could get away with that, get away with those images, those writings, those off the wall storylines, these wild fucking stories, getting his, uh, his actors and his, um, the acting troupe that he always worked with the dreamlanders, I think they were called, Mm -hmm. um, that they're, they were just like all in as well. Like, I don't, who else? So there's something very magical about him to make these movies and have these movies then be respected enough to be part of the criteria collection, which still just blows my fucking mind. And I love it because I think that also shows that, they're not super like pretentious or anything, you know, that they, they will respect all forms of art in in film media and and everything. Mm -hmm. But I love it. I mean, I don't, (laughs) I don't love it. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to watch someone eating dog shit or uh, being assaulted by a giant lobster or weird sex scenes in churches and stuff like that. Or like, yeah. Um, (laughs) But I think there's a lot there in, the fact that he had the gall to like show all that and push those boundaries, you know, would we really have any of these other kind of gross out or, you know, I, I just, he, I, I feel like he paved, paved the way for that kind of genre or that kind of filmmaking mm-hmm. and set the standard and show how you can make disgusting movies, but do them like very well, even like, like a good campy, you know, like, <laughs> not like Oscar well, but like just done where everyone is, they're all in. And so you can tell, you know, no one's really like kind of holding back or whatever. They're, they're all in at least enough for those scenes. (laughs) Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know what else to say. I'm just kind of rambly because I'm just like, it's still criterion collection. (laughs) I know it's awesome. I'm just going to scream that over and over. So, I mean, I really do think that that says a lot about these movies, uh, those earlier works. So uh, I did get in Desperate Living, which I didn't watch uh, for the last time. Mm -hmm. And out of that, because I think that's one third of the trash trilogy. Yes. I actually really liked that one. (laughs) There were still a lot of parts. where I was like, ew, gross. I don't like it. Uh, It's icky, but it makes me it's like that icky that makes you giggle <laughs> you're like oh no but you keep watching so that one I did really like desperate living that one I may watch again sometime in a couple of years <laughs> in a couple of years <laughs> yeah I mean I, I love what you said about um 
you know, that even though these there's gross out stuff and there is quote unquote filth, these are filth films. There's a lot of love there. I mean, he loves the people he works with. You can tell he loves the weird. He loves the outcasts. And that's why I think people who love John Waters love John Waters. A lot of those people feel like outcasts or have felt like outcasts at some point or another. And John embraces those people or doesn't judge those people. You know, that's, I think that's the big thing is he doesn't judge people in the way that society normally judges people, you know, and with these films, that's very clear. I mean, yes, there is stuff in here that for me, the hardest thing to watch was in multiple maniacs when the guy's licking the armpit. That to me was more disgusting <laughs> than anything else. And and the reason is, is I just kept thinking, okay, does that person have like deodorant remnants? Are there other things they're getting on their tongue? And I'm not to kink shame because everybody knows I will never kink shame, not me. So not to do that, but it's just like not my thing. So I'm it's just kind of like. You squicked me a little bit mm -hmm. more than probably almost anything else in his movies. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about that that just really ew. Because I just keep thinking about that, like tasting deodorant or like lint or. <laughs> now that's I get you though. <laughs> I'm I'm grossing Jen out just yeah. talking about it a little bit here. <laughs> but. These movies, you know, for me, I will say, honestly, and maybe this doesn't make Jen and I like the big devoted John Waters fans, because I know there are a lot of people that argue that this is more John Waters than the other stuff he did. And there is that kind of argument there. But for me, his more quote unquote mainstream stuff is always going to be more appealing to me. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate what he's doing here, because what he's doing here is, is he's pushing boundaries. He's telling people it's okay to push boundaries. You don't have to do – every movie doesn't have to fit a formula, and every movie doesn't have to have actors that fit a formula. They don't all have to look the same. They don't all have to look like Barbie and Ken, for lack of a better you know, synonym there, better way of phrasing it, because I think that's what he was doing. I mean, a lot of these actors – we're not we're not getting cast in other things or would have a hard time with that or you know he always embraces people that aren't necessarily a size two he's always been like that and that's pretty amazing or people that are in the community he of course embraces that and is very open about that and so i think that is what you can appreciate about anything he does personally is the fact that he has opened a lot of doors for people that never had doors open for them before. And I know a lot of people that have worked with him have talked about that. And also a lot of people that are in the mainstream and have worked with him, you know, or were in the mainstream. I think they had a lot of fun or it was like some of the most fun they've ever had because they were able to be so weird and different and didn't have to fit that movie star mold. And so that's what I really, really appreciate about John is that and he's just so weird but in a great wonderful way he's so I mean I honestly really I've got to work on a way to have this happen but I would love to interview him because I've listened to interviews with him and he's fascinating and he's mm -hmm. so 
smart. I mean, he is one of the smartest men I've ever listened to. He's brilliant. I mean, really, he's mm-hmm. just incredible and sweet. So sweet. And, you know, that's why I was hoping to have Tyler on here. And Tyler's actually met John. And I don't know how long he met John for. And I don't know if they had like a long conversation or anything. But I, I would have loved to have, you know, heard stories about that if he could share any of those. But, yeah, so. God, how cool would that be? Just to be in the oh same room as John Waters and breathe the same air as John Waters and just like be <laughs> within proximity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I think that would be amazing. It's it's one of those, he's one of those people that I would just be like in awe of to be able mm-hmm. to be there and be in the room with. So yeah. yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, of course, John Waters worked extensively with Divine until Divine sadly passed away. And Divine was, I think, John's biggest muse, um, you know, kind of his other half in some ways artistically. And there's a great documentary that was on Netflix. I should check and see if it still is about Divine. And, of course, John Waters is on there, too, of course. And it's a great, great documentary. And I'll have to look up the name of it. Why didn't I write that down? I I think it's just I Am Divine. That's right. Thank you. It's called Mm -hmm. I Am Divine. So... (laughs) Hopefully it's still on Netflix. I will look and see if it is. Uh, But if it's not, it's worth it to rent it, to go to your local library, see if they have it there. (laughs) I'm saying that for Jen. (laughs) That's right. Support your local library, folks. (laughs) Because, you know, sometimes you just don't want to pay for a movie. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Your library has it. (laughs) And then also just supporting your local library is a good thing Mm -hmm. to do. Uh, It looks like it's on Tubi right now. Which means you will, or but you can rent it for two ninety nine on Prime. Which means you will have to deal with weird commercials. Although Tubi, I have to say, even though they have weird commercials in places, they haven't figured out the algorithms right. Mm-hmm. Tubi is actually great for finding movies that other places don't carry. So I will give them props for that, and I understand why they have to have ads because revenue, and they're not charging you anything. But I wish they'd figure their algorithms out. So Agreed. it's not so weird. Agreed. But go watch that and learn more about Divine because Divine was amazing and an amazing artist. And it's very interesting watching watching that and learning more about their relationship and Divine's relationship with their parents and stuff too. So so what are your – I know you love Divine too, but what are your overall thoughts on Divine and Divine in the canon of John Waters movies too? Oh, I love it. I mean, could you could we really have John Waters movies without Divine? And could we have Divine without John Waters? <laughs> they go they just go hand in hand, like chocolate and peanut butter or something. Or <laughs> I don't know why my brain was like, like vodka and lemonade. Sorry. <laughs> vodka and lemonade, huh? It's one of my favorites. Um <laughs> It reminds me of summer uh, and I got the sun shining on me now. Anyways, um, they were, they're a great team. And when I was watching, uh, yeah, Desperate Living, 
or uh is that yes desperate living uh because divine's not in that because divine had other uh contractual obligations or whatever and so it was kind of that that is the one thing i missed about that movie was that there was no divine and Mm -hmm. kind of knowing which character divine was supposed to play uh it was just like oh yeah would have fucking killed it obviously but so it's it's um i just i love the way those two worked together i love that john has always referred to especially in the documentary several times i think he refers to divine as his muse and i think that's just so lovely and so beautiful that he in this other human that they they've crossed paths i can't remember exactly how they met but that ever since then that they just they clicked and that it wasn't just some you know gorgeous starlet or some Mm. handsome hollywood hunk in jeans or something it was a large man doing drag um you know as the divine character and then that's what they worked with and that's what they kind of what he kind of like wrote some of these parts for for divine Mm -hmm. and I just I love that because it goes again with what you were saying about John embracing and supporting kind of the weird, the non-traditionals and and everything and really just making that the star out of Divine. And then in watching the documentary, finding out that Divine just really wanted more, wanted to be in more movies and not as Divine, Mm -hmm. but as a man. And I oh, it's so sad. It would have been really, really interesting to see where that career could have gone for him. So um, that's a shame. But I, like I said, you can't have one without the other. They're one of the best filmmaking teams, I think. And I was going to try and get in Lust in the Dust, even though it's not a John Waters movie. It is a Divine and another Tab Hunter movie. Uh, But wasn't able to get it in. I did put it kind of lower on my list since it wasn't John Waters, but just kind of reading that John was asked to direct it and he turned it down because he didn't write it. I thought just was kind of, I loved that. I was like, he doesn't want to direct someone else's vision or mm-hmm. he doesn't want to put his name to someone else's story. And I, I get that. That's cool. But it would have been, I, I would have been curious to see, like, had John written that story and directed it with Divine and Tab again, how that could have turned out. I'll, I'll watch Lust in the Dust because there's something about the whole Western feel yeah. <laughs> that really intrigues me. And I don't care for Westerns, but I, I really want to see that one. <laughs> but again, but again, and then, then, you know, that's a Divine movie with no John, but and then just to see how that would have compared to Divine's works with John. So mm-hmm. there, I miss them. I miss I miss that that team up, that duo. They were so perfect together. Yeah, they were. They were like a family. They were, you know, just very close. I think. And you know, when you have someone like that artistically, and you're working artistically you know, with Divine being John's muse for so long, you know, and and it's not that the films after Divine died aren't great as well. It's just you can feel that there is that loss still. You still can feel like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder what this film would have been like if Divine had been able to be in this one, if Divine was alive still. And I'm sure for John, 
it's got to be also feel like a part of himself is missing a part of his soul and his heart and his creativity, his muse is missing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mean, I, I would love to, that would be part of what I would love to talk to about, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's talked about it to death and he doesn't want to anymore, but that kind of thing of like what that's like when you lose part of your creative team and part of your heart really. Um, and you can, you can, I don't want to say you can tell that because I don't think the quality of films go down. It's just, you can tell there is a little bit of something missing. There's a little bit of heart missing there. Not that there's not heart. I just, I just mean like, there's just a little, like a piece of the puzzle missing mm -hmm. there. And it's not quite completely together without, without divine. You know. I completely agree. It's like, like you said, it's like a piece of the puzzle is missing. And, you know, a lot of puzzles, they're cut from like the same laser planner, you know, whatever. So it's like, you're missing the one piece of the puzzle. So you take another piece from a, from another puzzle that happens to fit and it works, but it's just, it's not the piece that you need. Mm -hmm. It fits, it works, it completes the picture, but you can tell that something is still just a little off. You still love it. But it's just, like I said, something, a little something still kind of missing. Yeah. 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 But really, go watch that documentary. It's really, really good and really mm -hmm. interesting. And it gave me a whole new appreciation for everyone, really. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. yeah, I definitely, definitely recommend that. And it's and always... Have Oh, I was going to say, and have tissues handy. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> yes. you'll cry. <laughs> yes, I agree. I was going to say, it's always funny when I see, you know, you see older John Waters with his long hair. It always cracks me up because I'm so used to seeing his little, little short hair and his little pencil mustache. Mm -hmm. And so seeing like that long hair, is, <laughs> it just always throws me every time. <laughs> it's a trip. It's yeah. It goes against like what you're used to. You're like, oh, no, yes. but okay. <laughs> Yes, I, I prefer the short hair, but it's 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 sweet. It's the very young John. So, but yeah, yeah. So let's move on to his more quote unquote mainstream works like Hairspray, Crybaby, and I even would consider Serial Mom more mainstream. Um, and there are other movies that came after these that I don't think I think are kind of in the middle. Like I think Cecil B. Demented is more him trying to go back to a little bit of his earlier stuff. Same with, well, Pecker, not so much, sort of, but, you know. And then, like, stuff like Low Down, Dirty Shame, I think, in a way, was also trying to go back a little bit to that filth stuff. But I think those three, Crybaby, Serial Mom, and Hairspray, I think, are his three mainstream ones is how I kind of would classify them. And I know Hairspray was the big, was the first thing for John that was a big hit and was critically acclaimed. And got Divine a lot of attention, which is why it's so sad that Divine passed, like, right around that time. Mm -hmm. So it would have been interesting to see. But um, so I know you love all three of these. So what are your overall thoughts on these? And then if there's a favorite among those three? I know. I, you asked me this on yours, so I asked <laughs> you too. Put it on that line either. I'm just throwing it in there for you. Oh shit. Um, curveballs. No. <laughs> Careful, she's got gotcha questions. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> uh, I would think, okay, so I love I love hairspray because 
you know, just that overall kind of message of, you know, the racial inequality and, you know, the the segregation and everything. It's, you know, so you've got that, which is very... So these these more mainstream ones, these top three are the more, you know, like, yeah, palatable ones. So it's doesn't really surprise me that like Hairspray has kind of like that racial plot line to it that people, I think, probably were drawn to. And, and Debbie Harry yeah. <laughs> and Blondie. <laughs> and, um, so I, you know, obviously I like that. They show some a couple of beatniks and, you know, some special cameo beatniks and then so that one's kind of i feel like that's an easy one to like is hairspray uh ricky lake is just adorable in it and then um what's his name seinfeld dad uh or not oh, seinfeld um, but um stiller he, ben stiller yes. nope jerry stiller nope, jerry stiller ben stiller's dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i got there eventually <laughs> so i think hairspray is a, like i said is an easy one to like it's got you know the the dancing show and everything and trying to be on tv and so it does kind of make you want to get up and do the twist or do the roach or whatever little dances that they've got going on cry baby because of my giant crush on johnny depp and you know you've got like the drapes versus the squares i fucking love that because i always loved you know, like the bad boys and the motorcycles and the black leather jackets and everything. And then you've got uh, Susan Tyrell and Iggy Pop and Iggy Pop's naked in a bucket. And that's just fucking delightful as all hell. <laughs> and so I really I think that one I felt a bit more drawn to when I was younger because I kind even though I wasn't at all like a drape or anything, I, I felt like maybe inside I was like. I was a drape sympathizer. <laughs> but I, I love, I just, you know, love the outcasts and just kind of like that, you know, that, that group of people in society. And, you know, I love hatchet face and sometimes shook up old ladies gets cuts. <laughs> One of my favorite hatchet face lines. <laughs> um, and then, then Serial Mom, I think, I feel like maybe that one might have been the last of this trilogy that I, I saw, but I can't remember exactly. So I'm, don't hold me to that. But seeing uh, uh, Kathleen Turner, someone that I'd only known from, you know, like, quote, air quote, like real Hollywood movies, uh, play this role of, uh, what was her name? Um I don't remember. We are doing really great today. We're, <laughs> we're fucking nailing it. But to see her play this character and then see her play opposite of John Waterston as the husband and see, because I've only know, ever known him as like Jack McCoy from Law and Order. So this was like, what is happening here? And it blew my mind. But I, I love Serial Mom so much. And I feel like as I get older... I appreciate Serial Mom more. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to go run over my kid's principal for any silly Serial Mom reason or bludgeon my neighbor with like a ham steak or something. But <laughs> there's times where I'm like, huh, what would Serial Beverly Sutcliffe. So yes. Something. I was going to say Beverly, I, was about I didn't want to interrupt you, but yes, Beverly. No, that's all right. Um, 
But yeah, it's like, what would Beverly do? <laughs> now, which one do I love as a favorite? God, that's really hard. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's that kind of nostalgic attachment to Crybaby. But again, like I said, there's the the appreciation of Serial Mom more and more as, as I get older. Plus a young Matthew Lillard. How adorable is he? Yes. He's so cute. And he works at the video store, like that super small indie video store. He's a horror movie yeah. buff. Like, how can you not fucking love that? <laughs> and then just the way that her case, you know, towards the end gets like sensationalized. Like that is so real life. And then, um, yeah. Ah. I think I'm still going to go cry baby because even though that one's the musical, I love the songs. I love all the songs like please Mr. Jailer, uh Willem Dafoe's weird random cameo in it. Oh, I just thought of a never mind. <laughs> I was going to say a 6 degrees of Finn Wittrock, but nope, I was I I was like nope, that's a Nicolas Cage one. My bad. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> I'm just the best guest today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. But yeah, crybaby final answer. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm sure there's 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 a fit and connection to William Defoe too. I'm positive. Probably. <laughs> uh well, like I said, hairspray was the first one I saw, and I and I love hairspray a lot. I think hairspray of all three of them is the most main, main, mainstream because I think it's something that, you know, I was a little kid when I saw it and little kids can watch it. It's not like, you know, I mean, it's not like really, really out there. It doesn't push a lot of boundaries. And I think that's why that one became the most, I don't think it was the most critically acclaimed, but it was, became the most mainstream, like hit kind of thing. Most because of, Yes. Thank you. That's because it, you know, you could have little kids watching it and adults liked it. And I think that's why it also became the one that became a musical. Although I'm sure Crybaby could have been that too, because it already was. But I think that's why, because it was more um, mainstream, the most mainstream of them. And it was the first one that was. And it's the first time, of course, that John Waters started working with Ricky Lake, who became another big thing for him and she's in all three of these that we're talking about of these three and she did become a staple as well and she also was not the hollywood type she was you know she wasn't size two she wasn't you know the quote-unquote hollywood attractive but john always embraces that and still gives those people a love story. I mean, she has this amazing love story. And I was telling Jen, I found out some trivia because I was wondering whatever happened to that actor. And it turns out he left acting like he became like a, a pastor and worked like with inner city youth and in, in Harlem and all that. And he was like, I'm just done with the business. Didn't even care. So it wasn't like he couldn't get jobs anymore. He just quit the business. I just thought that was a really interesting mm -hmm tidbit of trivia there but you know it's like john finds her attractive and finds the beauty in her and that most of society shuns and i'm sure for ricky lake she speaks very highly of john waters and i'm sure for her at the time being so young and being in in, in an industry that 
doesn't embrace anyone who isn't a size two really or doesn't fit this weird standard of beauty that most people can't reach. Even the people that supposedly reach it have a hard time with it. I'm sure for her that had to be just absolutely amazing and life affirming and you know, especially to be viewed and to be filmed as someone who is desirable and who is sexy and attractive. And it's another thing to appreciate and love about John. And you really see it in, in Hairspray. And you see it in Crybaby a lot, too, mm -hmm. with Hatchet Face and, and Ricky Lake's character in there, too. And, you know, because Hatchet Face is thought of as not being attractive, but... The, but her boyfriend loves her and thinks she's the most attractive, beautiful woman in the world. And she, even though she comes off as very tough and strong, she's very sensitive and vulnerable. And, you know, it's that kind of stuff. And then also with Crybaby, you have um, Tracy Lords, who every, I mean, very famous stuff with Tracy Lords, that she was very, very abused in the adult film industry and stuff. And, she, you know, for someone in that industry to cross over to, mainstream films is very rarely done and it's very rarely done in a way where people aren't looking at them like trash mm -hmm. and John doesn't look at her like that so I'm sure for her that was also an amazing beautiful experience to have too and I I know what well, I know it was I know it becomes like a family they all become like a family and for me crybaby was like like I said I was like kind of obsessed with this movie and I made my poor mom, speaking of my mom, I made my mom drive me to go see this movie in the pouring rain. I remember it was just pouring, pouring rain because it was in the summer and drove me to go see this movie that I, I'm sure she could have cared less about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. And the whole opening and the teardrop. And I mean, it's like, I, I watch it now and I still love this movie, but I watch it now and I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh. Cause, but to me, it was so sexy. Mm -hmm. It was like the sexiest thing. And I still, you know, everybody knows black hair, uh, leather jacket. Mm -hmm. That's still my biggest weakness. So he had that. And then singing and the music, it's just like boom, 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 boom. And, you know, for me, these characters later on in different de decades would become like, you know, beatniks were basically an offshoot of this. And then I think later on when you had goths, that's an offshoot of this too, I think. So of course I was more attracted to people like that and wouldn't be attracted to the squares at all. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Too much khaki. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, I love that one a lot. And then um, Serial Mom, <laughs> I this this one I think is the best as far as like written, the best performances, the best everything overall. I think it's the most well-made of the three, honestly. Um, and Kathleen Turner, she has said this is one of her favorite experiences she's ever had doing a movie. And you can tell that she mm -hmm. has had so much fun playing this character. And just the way she delivers little lines, like whenever she's doing the prank calls with the <laughs> and she gets so giddy about it. It's like, you know, when she gets so she's writing all these serial killers in jail and all this stuff she's doing and how excited she gets to watch horror movies with her son. Yet she doesn't, you know, yet there are certain things she can't handle. She won't stomach. 
you have to still have that perfect suburban stuff. But at the same time, she's like, let's watch the goriest horror movie ever. <laughs> she's like, she sits down, she grabs her remote. She's like, oh, yeah, let's watch that part again. Yeah. Just <laughs> wide eyed like a child, like a kid in a candy store, just excited. You got to love it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the fact that, you know, she gets off. And of course, in um in that one of the jurors is Patty Hearst. And then, of course, that scene where Patty Hearst is wearing white after Labor Day. <laughs> She's just like, you can't wear white after Labor Day and kills her. And mm -hmm. it's just like, <laughs> it's just like the most ridiculous and out there thing ever. And it's like, it's a family, though. And I know I mentioned this on your podcast. This family, though, really loves each other, even though they're kind of afraid of Beverly, but they still really love her. And the sex her and her husband have. <laughs> funniest that's why Sam, like jack mccoy you guys law and order fans like that's just it was weird and they were so loud and so like bouncy because <laughs> yes. it is that like prim and proper and then that or when one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when beverly's on the run from the cops and they go to like that, um, the, what was the band? Was it L7? L7, yeah. They go to the L7 concert and she's, she's, she's up, up, up there and she's like, and her husband's down in the crowd. She's like, oh, and she's plugging her ears. Like, oh, it's so loud. And she's just like, she's on the run from the cops. And she's just like all merry and happy. And she even takes time out to, you know, try and kill somebody. And it's just like... <laughs> She supports female artists. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just so fun. But so I just, I love that one. And I do appreciate that more rewatching it. I, you know, like I think that one is so well done and so well written. And Kathleen Turner's performance is so incredible. She is so dang good in that movie. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard not to pick that one. I mean, because it's really between that and Crybaby as my favorites. And Crybaby, same as Jen, is kind of the nostalgia feel. But just to be different, I'll say Serial Mom. <laughs> <laughs> just to be different. I, I I don't I don't know if that's what I said on your podcast. Now I can't even remember now. But I'll just say that just to be a little bit different. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so much for podcast brain twins no. <laughs> but you know we talk you, you talk about how in in serial mom beverly loves her family and in watching all of these movies then and even some of the like i watched uh polyester today yeah and yep. and it's like these people like as wild and out there as these characters are I think that's kind of one thing that can be said for a lot of them. Not all of them is that they love their family, you know, uh, in polyester divine, she's happy to have her kids back and they've gotten the help that they've needed. And Jesus, and they've run over people and it's fine because they're together. I liked, I really liked polyester. I, I almost feel like polyester is kind of that, like, missing link between the early filth and the mainstream stuff it's that stepping mm -hmm. stone between the two because it's not as out there as his first set of movies and it's but it's not as like toned down filth wise as 
you know, hairspray crybaby or or serial mom. There's still elements of those there, but we don't get the visuals like we did in in the <laughs> other ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of in, in watching polyester, I was like, this is kind of really interesting when in in the scope of his movies and kind of watching that progression from his early works of the 70s into the 80s and 90s. And so I was like, huh. Because what, polyester was like early 80s, I think, like 80 think or so. 81. Mm-hmm. So it's not technically 70s, but but yeah, I kind of was starting to pick up like there's there's a theme of family, love, acceptance, even in desperate living, even though like the queen hates her daughter and everything. The community of Mortville loves each other enough to overthrow the queen. <laughs> <laughs> And in Desperate Living, I had, like, with the Queen storyline, it just gave me, like, vibes of, uh, like, Marie Antoinette, you know, like the story of Marie Antoinette, but told through the lens of John Waters, which I thought, <laughs> I don't know, that maybe it's just me, but I, I really loved it because I also really loved that movie, too, Marie Antoinette. But, yeah, just that theme of family and that acceptance because, yeah, he accepts all his freaks and weirdos and everything. And they're all together and they all love and and care for each other and fight for each other. And in the movie, these characters kill for each other (laughs) or each other. Uh, (laughs) So it's it's a very it's kind of like the first time I really kind of noticed that underlining theme through nearly all his movies. So I think, yeah, just that love, that loving of each other yeah no it's very true and it and the family isn't always biological you know in crybaby yes. you've got a lot of found family and a lot mm-hmm. of and in multiple maniacs and stuff like that that starts even there where you have that found family and where it is very much that can be an even stronger bond than you will have with your biological family and that is a theme and i think that's because that's the way John is with the people he works with. I think they, they've all said it's like a family. They're all family coming together. They protect each other. They love each other. You know, they embrace each other. And so I think that comes through with all of his movies is that you do have that, that theme there, whether it is your biological family, like in Serial Mom or in Polyester, you know, even if your son is obsessed with foots to a degree of breaking the <laughs> even if you have that to deal with you still love your family <laughs> yep. you know and if, even if your mom is a serial killer <laughs> that's right she's serial mom and she's our mom <laughs> so proud <laughs> so that is a big theme and i think that's something that a lot of people can relate to a lot of, and especially the found family thing, because a lot of people, you know, with us releasing us around pride, a lot of people in that community are, you know, abandoned by their family, kicked out by their family, treated like crap by their family. You know, you have stuff like that goes on in Hairspray. You have stuff like that going on in Crybaby and throughout where the biological family shuns their child for not fitting into what is supposed to be the heteronormative world. And so I think having that family thing and embracing people, I'm sure um, John being, you know, growing up as a gay man, especially in the time period that he grew up in, I mean, it's hard now still, I'm not saying it's not still hard. And especially with certain things going backwards instead of forwards, Mm -hmm. 
but back then it was even harder and illegal and all this stuff. And so he took a lot of chances and I'm sure a lot of the themes with the family are because he found his family and he might not have had it. So I think that's what's so beautiful about his movies and about all the people he works with. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I just want to talk a little bit about that, about his embracing of the weird and the outcasts and how important that is to either you personally or um, to the broader community as a whole. I mean, I love it in a in a world and in a society where, quote, normal is what's accepted and is what is expected to have this skinny man with a pencil mustache come in and be like, the weirder you are, the more I love you. Come here. You are my daughter. You are my son. You are my child. Uh, one of my favorite stories is from the set of Cry, uh, yeah, Cry Baby. And it's on mm-hmm. like the DVD special like commentary or whatever. But the feds had come to uh, arrest or take Tracy Lords away. And she was very, you know, very scared, very worried, very nervous about it. And kind of afterwards, they all went around and shared their this is the the time I got arrested story and helped put her at ease. And it's like, one, the fact that everyone had a story is it's almost like a prerequisite to to work with John Waters. It's like, he's got his little checklist. It's like, have you been arrested? How many times? And for what? Okay. You're hired and you're the lead. No. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's really important that, you know, we have a writer director that's puts these, quote weirdos uh you know instead of on the back burner up front and center stage gives them a voice gives them a story gives them love interests and fleshes that like makes them real people real characters because they exist oh my god so shocking so i think it's really i think it's so important that and and especially the way he does it so lovingly as we've said a thousand times by now but that that we have that and that people can go to see his movie and probably see maybe a little bit of themselves in maybe this character or that character or relate to a situation, maybe not exactly, but just that kind of overall feel of it. So I think that it's, we, we definitely need more of that so we can kind of get that representation on screen of it's okay that you don't fit quote the norm because you will always be, someone will always accept you. There's a family out there for you and they're just waiting for you and you're waiting for them and you'll find each other and it will be beautiful. I think that's the most important thing. And I think that everyone can relate to that. You know, I think, you know, even if you're like the pretty popular kid at school or whatever, you might feel the pressures of having to maintain that and wanting to maybe diverge from that or whatever. I think you can still find solace uh, in a John Waters film and find a way to relate and be like, oh, 
and validate it and feel validated in what you're feeling uh, and, and thinking. And I think that's important. And like I said, it's I, who else is going to do it better than John Waters? I don't I don't know who, but we definitely need more folks to step up and give it a try. Yes. So well said. Seriously, that was really, really <laughs> well said. Because I, I do think, I think, you know, for me personally, always feeling a little weird and a little bit, you know, out of the norm and not really like fit, didn't know how to fit into normal. So I still don't know how to fit into quote unquote normals. Like my nightmare is going to like, you know, regular with people that are quote unquote regular. And this happens. So it's all I've done this. And, you know, being like, what am I supposed to be talking about here? And the small talk and then the talk that, you know, it's just that feeling of not feeling like you fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And John knows that. And John embraces people that don't fit in and that don't um, fit that stereotype and that cookie cutter image and everything like that. And not only does he embrace them, it's like basically like, I will take you in when society has shunned you. So you can watch these movies and feel like even if you, even though you don't know him personally and you're not sitting there with him and you not, don't have his number or anything like that, you can feel like, well, I think if, if no one else will get me, at least John will get me. At least John will embrace me. At least mm-hmm. John won't have a problem with who I am and wouldn't judge me. And that's a pretty amazing and special gift. And that's the power of art. I mean, art is amazing and incredible and can make you feel like you are not alone in the world when you feel alone in the world. And I think at his core, I think that's what John is trying to do with his movies is say to people, hey, I know you haven't had a voice ever in your life and I know you feel alone in the world, but here, I'm going to give you this little bit of entertainment and in here, you will probably see that what I'm saying is, yeah, you may be weird, you may be different, you may be filthy, quote unquote, but I think you're beautiful and I think you're amazing and that is the power of film and the power of John Waters in particular is being able to give that, give voice to people that don't have a voice and people that don't have a voice that are watching. And yes, his movies may push the boundaries and they're not for everybody. I'm not saying they are for everybody, but I think that wonderful message is lovely and important. And I think we need more of that now. I mean, I don't think we have very much of that right now, personally. <laughs> you know, and John Waters isn't really out there making movies, sadly. Um, so we don't have that voice, and we need that voice, I think, now. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't creators out there that are pushing the boundaries, because there are. But we need more of that, and we need more people that are there to be like a surrogate family in a way, or present that, or say you're okay just the way you are. And I don't want to change you. I think you're beautiful and I want to embrace you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of, of him and his films and, and just who he is as a person. When you watch him in interviews or he used to host the independent spirit awards and nobody has been able to do it as well as he did because he's just, he's so himself and it's not, that, I mean, he doesn't give a shit, but it's it's not just that that makes him so great to watch. It's the fact that he is not standing up there like, I'm John Waters. He's standing up there like, I'm John Waters, and let's chat, or let's talk about movies, or let's talk about this, or let's celebrate the weird. And so 
he's just I don't know he's like a friend he feels like a friend when you watch him he doesn't feel like out of touch or out of reach kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. I don't know I think that's a beautiful thing with him so that's why I I miss him hosting the independent spirit awards and watching him do that kind of stuff because at least you got that every year and then he stopped doing it but yeah he was like a part of that he was like an integral part of that awards show so maybe it's because the independent spirit awards i still like them but (laughs) sometimes they don't feel as independent spirit Mm -hmm. to me anymore i get you (laughs) (laughs) when you see certain ones that you're like really that's (laughs) the criteria is how much it was made for and all that stuff i'm not i don't know i don't know anyway for another time <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's part of the reason um he stopped doing it but plus it's i just think that's a lot of hard work to host an award show anyway so oh sure okay well was there anything else you wanted to add really quickly since it, before we get to our our new segment? one like back and forth from desperate living and it's so fresh because i just watched it today but um the character mole it's towards the end when they go to overthrow the queen and Mole's like, hold it right there, you royal asshole. And then the queen fires back with, get out of my chambers, lesbians. <laughs> and the way Edna Massey delivers that line, <laughs> I rewound it and laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> it's just, oh my God, it, it was hilarious. I, I I love John Waters. I love his contributions. Um, I don't necessarily, like, not, they're not all my favorite, but I respect the early works for what they did and what how they've kind of set the stage and for that kind of genre um and i and it, it is a shame that he's not making movies anymore but he seems to be popping up in uh random like tv spots yeah. here and there so i know he's uh going to be he's in like a an episode or a couple episodes, like in one of the seasons of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I haven't gotten to yet. So it must be season four or five, but so I'm really excited to get to that. Cause I'm like, what is he doing <laughs> on this show? <laughs> but I, so it's always a joy when he does pop up in these things since he's not making movies and it just, he makes me smile and I, I just, I love them to pieces and, uh, and no spoiler for uh, stranger things season four, part one, but there was a, a kid who was like making a movie with his sister and yeah. she's like, you know, playing dead and like choke, you know, like she got her throat slit and she's like, ah. and this kid is that like, you know, those old, old crank camera of like the eighties, but he's got like this tiny little pencil mustache. <laughs> and my yep. husband's like, is he supposed to be like a little John Waters fan? And I was just like, first of all, yes. And second of all, <laughs> like, I love you. You understood that reference. <laughs> so, which I just think is neat. You know, I, I actually don't know if the kid was supposed to be, but I mean, who else rocks a pencil mustache and is a directing someone whose throat has been slit? Yeah. <laughs> so just the fact that even in, in that series, there's that tiny homage i'm saying it's it's john waters i don't give a shit it's that tiny homage to him because of not just the time period but i think how can you not man it's john i don't know i love him i love you john waters (laughs) (laughs) yes yes we both love you a lot uh yeah not much else to add i think jen said it 
perfectly. But yes, we we love you a lot and thank you for your art and thank you for everything you have given to people. And I know your work means a lot to people. So thank you for that. And um, yeah. So now it's time. We still don't have, I want to say, we still haven't heard from anyone wanting to create music for Finn Whitrock, for Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. Because Carla has written songs, so I guess I'm going to have to go and find some music. To put to it. Um, but if you do want to do that, you'll get credit. And, you know, I can't, I, you know, I can send you some merch <laughs> if you want to discover some music to go along with the Six Degrees of Finn. I mean, Finn, don't be ashamed. You can, you can, you can also submit music. It's perfectly fine to love okay. yourself. <laughs> I know you've been submitting some uh audience guesses guesses <laughs> <laughs> some audience connections uh using some pseudonyms i know it's been mm -hmm. you finn <laughs> he's such a fan of himself, of himself. <laughs> i mean i understand so <laughs> yeah there's nothing wrong with loving yourself so if you'd like to love yourself some more <laughs> Sounds so dirty. <laughs> I, know, I didn't mean it to, but um, go ahead and slide into our DMs. <laughs> and uh, help create some music for your intro song. Or if anybody out there wants to do this, DM us, email us, contact us through the contact us button on our website. And we'll get, we'll kind of like throw some, maybe I'll have Carla send me some of the lyrics and I can put them as a sample out there and you can. Tell me, you know, contact us if you all of a sudden get inspired to put some music to it. But we're going to go ahead and play. And I know Jen will play. So because mm -hmm. Jen's part of my Finn crew. So I know she's going to play. We did a whole episode on her podcast about Finn Whitrock. So, you know, um, so we're going to be playing Six Degrees of Finn. So, Jen, mm -hmm. give me those six degrees. Give me those six degrees. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, here they come. So. I all right. So these this first set is really easy because I kind of I kind of cheesed out and I got there through Law and Order SVU with Matthew Lillard, Sam Waterston, and John Waters himself. So Matthew Lillard was in Serial Mom. He was also in an episode of Law and Order SVU, as was Finn. Not the same episode, but so I don't know if these are gonna completely count, but I do have others. Um, Sam Waterston is obviously uh, Jack McCoy in Law and Order. And of course, he shows up in Law and Order SVU. Love crossovers. Uh, and John Waters was in an episode of SVU. I think his, I think it was credited as just like, like, um, porn monger or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is so perfect. Of course. He was. <laughs> and and Finn was in an episode. So I again probably not the same ones. So stepping outside of the Law and Order universe, uh, with the hairspray remake, the 2007 version, it has uh James Marsden, who plays uh Cyclops in the X-Men movies and in X-Men Days of Future Past, uh, with Evan Peters, who was in Freak Show with Finn. And then Cecil B. Demented with Stephen Dorff. He was in Public Enemies with Christian Bale, who was in The Big Short with Finn. And I'm done. 
<laughs> and also with our unofficial mascot, Christian yep. F and Bale. So. <laughs> I thought about that too. I was like, should I write F and Bale? <laughs> so that way I say it. <laughs> but I was like, oh, she'll love this one if it's not on her list. <laughs> it's not. So none of those were on my list. So I'm using Matthew Lillard though. Um, so Matthew Lillard, of course, was in Serial Mom. And he was in this movie called The Descendants with George Clooney. And George Clooney, of course, was in ER. He was in two shows called ER, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if everybody knows that. Yes, there was a comedy ER and then the drama ER, of course, later. And Finn was in an episode of ER. So there you go. I don't, I think he was in an episode of ER. It might have been after George Clooney left. I don't know, yeah. but there you go. And then pointing out again, because Meg would want me to point this out, Meg was also in public enemies. <laughs> I thought about that too when I wrote it down. I was like, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> and then I go and say it because she used that. She used that as her. She's like, I am also six degrees away from Finn. She's just one degree away from our unofficial mascot. So I don't know why she hasn't gotten on the phone to Christian and been like, hey. <laughs> right? She's dropping the ball. <laughs> I know. Get on that, Meg. <laughs> it will happen someday. The whole world is going to know when this happens. <laughs> oh, yes. I'll be like, will you be our official mascot now? <laughs> Drop the un go official. Hell yeah. Yes. I don't see why he would say no. I mean, I know. I mean, I'm sure he was listening in January. Oh, totally. <laughs> he was probably very confused. He's like, how am I on a live stream? <laughs> but yes. I'm sitting here. <laughs> very good there, Jen. You started doing a little bit of question. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And if you would like to play, oh, you know what? I'm going to ask you really quickly, and I should have put this on here because you did this when I was on your podcast last. But if you want to, since you mentioned William Defoe and you started doing a six degrees of, <laughs> of Nicolas Cage, because Jen plays that on her podcast, six degrees of Nicolas Cage. So go ahead and give us your six degrees of Nicolas Cage then for John Waters. Oh, okay. So let's see. So, uh, Crybaby has Willem Dafoe, and Willem Dafoe was in Wild at Heart with Nicolas Cage. There you go. Very quick. <laughs> That's super, super easy. Because <laughs> I think I had that one for, um, I think, maybe it was, it, it, I just edited an episode. I, I know I've used that path before, so um, that's why it was still super fresh. <laughs> There you go. And we can always use, you know, to get Finn to Nicolas Cage is pretty darn easy because, of course, once again, this is how this all came about because of Susie suggesting it, too. But it came about because Finn Whitrock's cousin was one of the writers of um, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which go watch that if you haven't. It's oh, amazing. It's, it's so incredible. Good. And so when I had said that to Susie, once again, that's how it came out. Susie's like, we should play Six Degrees of Finn. So... <laughs> So there, yes. So they're connected. Everybody's connected. <laughs> I love it. But if you want to play the audience version of Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock, go to our website. It's a phantomthingpod.com. Click the page. It's literally titled Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock. 
submit your choices. This month, we have Queries Folk, which, like I've said, if you go back and listen to any of our episodes, you'll get connections from me. My panelists let me down big time and didn't play. But... <laughs> Love you. Love you all. <laughs> um, but go listen to those. You'll get a bunch of connections. So you get that one for free. And then, I mean, you don't have to pay for this, but you know, you'll get that one without having to do any work. And then Orange is the New Black, Moonlight, and then Brokeback Mountain. And once again, one of those movies is one step away. I gave the hint on one of our Queer Spoke episodes, and I'll give it again on this one, that the movie that he is one step away from, the movie that he was in, he was the token white guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about when yep. I say that. <laughs> <laughs> there are only a few other panelists that will actually know what I'm talking about. But anyway, but go there. It's free to enter. And we will randomly select someone in the first week of July that will win some it's a fandom thing merch. This is something that's going to be going on for the foreseeable future. I will say there might be sometimes where we'll have to do it a little bit differently, like on our next episode and Christian Bale month. We will, since they've been in a movie together. So we'll have to, we'll have to change that up a little bit here. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I'm glad this is a new segment and I can't wait till we actually get to have the intro song. <laughs> Make it all more better. But we're going to go ahead and close out. This has been a lot of fun, Jen. So I enjoyed talking about John Waters again. So if you want to tell everybody where they can find your amazing podcast, My Streaming Bubble. So, um, yes, I thank you again for having me on today. I Any excuse to talk about John Waters is a, a perfect reason to talk about John Waters. So thank you for letting me just babble on again. I, I love him so much. Uh, you can... <laughs> Listen to the podcast on pretty much any podcast player near you. No one needs a Pandora. And you can follow me on, <laughs> uh, on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. New episodes drop Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. Because I want to get that church crowd. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the real demographic that that's Jen. That's right. It's, those are my people. <laughs> Can't even say it. Uh, so I've yeah. So on the way to church, listen. To on the way to church, you know, just gather the family. It'll be fine. <laughs> gather the family. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, new episodes uh, sun every week on Sundays, and plenty of episodes to go back and revisit and check out so you should all go do that because that would be really awesome of you thanks <laughs> thanks yes go do that i on the other hand i love you pandora that <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's just a reactionary thing you can cut that if you want <laughs> I know that that is one of our most popular places that people listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just as much as I love bubbly water. <laughs> but this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod, on TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod, 
if you have any feedback, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, John Waters, feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button and that'll shoot us an email and we'll be in touch. Or you can reach out to us directly at it's a fandomthingpod at gmail.com. And on our next episode, we are wrapping up Pride Month with a look at Lady Gaga, which if you know Lady Gaga's acting work, you'll know why I'm going to have to think of something new with Finn Wittrock because <laughs> they've literally been in their characters in bed together. <laughs> and she she has, she has oh, the thing she did to Tristan. Anyway, <laughs> unforgivable. Unforgivable, um, yeah. But I love Lady Gaga a lot. So we'll be talking about her music. And her acting. We're going to be focusing um, mainly with the acting. We're going to focus on A Star is Born. So get ready. Because you have no idea how much I love this movie. So <laughs> be prepared. It's it's the Finn level of fanning. The Christian Bale level of fanning. the wow. That kind of stuff. I mean, wow. really, I, just, I love that movie so much. Right and we'll be talking about, of course, uh, American Horror Story. And then... Means I have to watch this House of Gucci. So, <laughs> have you watched that yet, or have you? No, avoided- I've no. been avoiding it because it looks horrible. I'm sorry, and I hate Jared Leto with a burning passion. And I'm Just- not an Al Pacino fan. So. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, I. I. Some of the accusations towards jared leto yeah, he's the, horrible they're they're new to me so i hadn't heard him before and so i'm kind of looking at him because i think maybe you had tweeted something it was like something that had gone around for a while of like oh yeah and you know this about jared leto so go ahead and, and google jared leto in 15 years yeah, and i'm yeah. like well that's a trap <laughs> and but i did and i was like that's a lot of articles that's a lot and how is he still working? Sorry. Well, I'll stop. But no, yeah, it's ew. true. It's true. That's why there's also a part of me that's like, maybe we shouldn't talk about it because it's Jared Leto. I mean, like when we talked about my so-called life, I thought it was a little bit different because that was before anybody knew a lot of that stuff. But of course, I mean, he's he's a white male. So, I mean, yeah, he's gross. And he's gross even beyond the, the accusations and the predator stuff. Mm-hmm. He's gross. He's just not a cool person. So that's part of the, re- and he's not a good actor, I don't think either. So frankly, I mean, he looks, so we might, we, I might change my mind on that because of that. So I bet I've been contemplating that. So, um, but we're also going to talk about her music and um, her activism and stuff and, and what she means to the community. We'll be talking about that. And that's going to be a live stream. I'm bending the rules and letting four people be on that. Hopefully <gasps> I don't regret this, but <laughs> Okay. I will. I will. <laughs> Jen's like, we're gonna regret this. <laughs> and Carla is one of the four people. I love you, Carla. <laughs> you already lovingly regret it. No. <laughs> I, I know, but it'll, no, that'll it'll, be good though. It'll be that'll fun. Be. It'll be a good live stream and it'll be talking about music again. And we recently had a listener ask us to be covering more bands and more music and so we are going to be later on this year we're going to be talking about Depeche Mode we're going to be talking about Violent Femmes if I can find any of my panelists to be on it we'll be talking about New Order if not maybe we'll be talking about another band um, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not knowledgeable enough to talk about it's fine I got it I'll take over no 
and we're going to be talking about 90s music also late 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 in the year so we do have more music coming up we will be talking about that so um but also we are going to be back with uh what we are into episode so that of course will be giving you lots of podcast music books and television and film recommendations all that you can handle I love those episodes. That will probably be live too. So we'll be doing two live streams this weekend since this is dropping Friday. So look for those and look for those episodes to drop next week. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.